When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post Podcast. Here with Stefan Legion in Mississauga in a uh, an abandoned GM's room at the, the Hershey Center. Uh, former pro hockey player, current video coach for the Mississauga Steelheads, and a guy I wanted to have on the podcast uh, this week while all the attention is on mental health and the hockey community is discussing issues involving, you know, keeping uh, your head on straight or, or being in a good space with, with your mental capacity. Stefan, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm good. Um, thanks for doing this. No and uh, I actually, I don't, I think I brought this up to you last time I saw you, um, that the only two times I've ever been in a room with you, I guess this would be the third. Yep. The first time was in St. Catharines. Uh, you were playing for the Niagara Ice Dogs. I was going to Brock University. I was 19, you were 19, we're the same age, and I saw you at the bar, I don't know, I don't know if you were giving out shots, but you were the life of the party, and I, and I, you know, people were like, hey, there's Stefan Legion, he was just, you know, on the world junior team, I'm like, oh, cool, right on, and then, you know, fast forward to two months ago, yep. and I came to uh, interview your GM, yeah, James Richmond, yeah. and, uh, and we interacted then, and then now, you know, it's just interesting that you've gone through so much between those two first meetings. Yeah, um, that I wanted to sit down with you and talk about was, hockey and life. Yeah, it's been a long time, so especially since the Niagara days. And for the record, those drinks were free. <laughs> yeah, at the Chili Pepper. Yeah, uh, I earned them. Uh, no, it was you know, it was a great city. They were so welcoming after the World Juniors for me. Uh, probably a little too welcoming, but um, it was awesome. I had a blast. The fans there were great. The people in the town were great. Um, and now that I'm not in Niagara, I'm doing great. So that's yeah, good. well, that that's. There's a happy ending to the sort of path that you've taken over the last, I guess it would be about 10 years if we go back to when you were 19 in St. Catharines. Like, yeah, that, well, like, um, that's been a long 10 years. I got a text on the night that Canada won the World Juniors, and they said, you know, 10 years ago today, it was you winning the World Juniors. So it has been a while. Uh, 10 years doesn't seem like that long, but it feels like it's been about 50. Uh, but it's good, you know, it's, it's full circle, right, hockey? It's coming back around. Yeah, well, let's talk about, though, your, your junior days. Like, you know, it's been well documented by you even. Uh, you wrote a few posts on thehockeynews.com mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago now about what you went through um, dealing with expectations, dealing with anxiety, dealing with the fact that your hockey career wasn't going exactly as planned. Let's go back to St. Catharines. Like, what do you remember from your junior days in terms of, you know, making a name for yourself but also there's there's some struggles involved and there's you know p 
people maybe hanging around that that come out of the blue or there's like you said you know you're you're the one of the the top dogs in town and then yeah. that can be good and that can be bad yeah i mean like it was for me it was mostly all bad being that recognizable especially because i got injured at world juniors so when i came back it was you know i wasn't on the ice for two and a half three months so it really uh it really caught up to me there i think just because you know i wasn't doing anything i was a quote unquote celebrity at the time and uh yeah it's it was tough for me it was hard not playing it was hard finding things to do in the town uh you know i was young i just signed so the bank account was in good shape and uh, yeah, it was just tough. It was an interesting time. I had a lot of friends going to the school there. You know, I was just struggling. I wanted to be a kid. Like, you know, I, I wanted to have fun. I, you know, they were all going out and having fun with, you know, college kids and university kids. So I just kind of wanted to be normal in that sense and, you know, be able to control my own life a little bit. And I needed a bit more help than I thought, but I wouldn't change any of it. Yeah, that that's what I like about the way that you've discussed the topic of of hitting lo- really low lows and then coming back to the surface and obviously you're in a good spot now is that you're just honest about it. you're you know these are the things that I did at the time maybe I went down the wrong path certain ways maybe I wasn't getting the support in certain ways but it's made me who I am so to speak yeah I mean who knows if it's the wrong path because maybe that that wasn't how I was supposed to get to the National Hockey League as a player so maybe it was the right path and you know I needed to learn that stuff for this type of work that I'm doing now, you know, because now I've, I've basically seen exactly how the road to failure looks. So I can offer some serious guidance, I think, for younger players. So to me, I think maybe it was all part of it. I was supposed to go through that. And that was just my journey, as some people would say. And it's, it's really put me in a great spot now because, you know, I'm in a position where I'm working with younger players, some really high-level players, fortunately, with Mississauga having, you know, Countless prospects, you know, who are drafted high. McLeod's, uh, Tippett, Hag, Mulvrari is a uh, Swedish defenseman we have. He's yep. with L.A. You know, it's nice to be able to talk to these guys and offer relevant, you know, advice. Not just, you know, this is what I, I think you should be doing. It's I know you need to do this because if you don't, you're going to be coaching at, at 30 when all your friends are still, you know, making millions and playing in all-star games in Tampa and all that fun stuff. So it was really good for me to know, like, now I understand why, you know, all the coaches say, like, oh, you know, work on your on your habits away from the rink, your stretching, your eating. I thought they were full of shit, to be honest. But, you know, now that I've gone through it all and I've looked back, I realized, like, this is – these guys know what they're talking about. They They have this title for a reason and – a lot of people in the industry, they're they're doing things for the right reasons. Yeah, you were you were drafted in the 2007 NHL draft. Yes. So that's the Patrick Kane draft. Yeah. And uh, it's turned out to be a pretty good one. You go in the second round to Columbus. And like you said, you, was, you sign an NHL contract. But then the road from there to actually making it to Columbus never happens. No, I, I mean, I'm a weird case because I'm the one who kind of chose that to never happen. Uh, everything I was told after I had retired was that I was, you know, slotted into play on the Blue Jackets that season. But, you know, I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't go. I couldn't mentally. I couldn't see myself waking up every morning and getting dressed and going to the rink and, you know, trying to put on a happy face. I just I couldn't do it. I wasn't convinced that I was a hockey player uh, mentally and 
you know, once if you're not sure of something, you're you're screwed, especially in something so cutthroat and competitive as hockey. Yeah, let, let's try to. I mean, I'm not a therapist or a psychologist or anything, but like from your perspective, since you you know you've lived through it and we're ten years away, like what do you think in hindsight was stopping you or was in your way? Were you I don't know? Were you stubborn? Were you um, just not motivated? Like what was it? I think the biggest word uh, looking back would be I was just scared. You know, I was scared of what was coming. You know, I lived a pretty sheltered life. I was fortunate. You know, my parents were wealthy. They provided for us well beyond what we needed. You know, it's my first real look of let's go and it's time for you to be the man now and it's all on you. And I think I was really just scared that it wasn't going to uh, wasn't going to come together for me the way that I wanted to. And then, you know, a little bit of negativity in your brain, and then it just kind of ate away at it and ate away at it. And before I knew it, I was just completely lost, you know. So it was sort of a mental state where you you lost focus of sort of the bigger picture, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I really just lost track of everything. I was, you know, a 19-year-old kid, and I was just so confused at where I was headed. You know, I had no clue. At one point, I was looking at going to university and... Then I was thinking, let's be real, you haven't been to school since grade school. What are you going to do in a university class? And then, I mean, kind of just sorting through all these other things that I could do. And then, you know, one day I was laying there and I was like, you're an idiot. Like, hockey is what you're supposed to do. Like, what, what what age is this where you sort of had those thoughts? Well, I, honestly, it was pretty short after I retired um, that I realized I wanted to come back and kind of started the conversations with Columbus again that I was... So, just to fill everyone in. So... We, you retired at 19. 19, yep. And then... Got a lot I, I mem- of grief for it. I'll, I'll be honest, like, I'm not saying I, I remember where I was or, like, I have vivid memories, but I do remember, like, hearing the news and just going, oh, he seems to have everything going for himself. Is he, is he you know, a, a, a first-liner for sure in the NHL? No. Does he, you know, is he, is he a guaranteed NHL player? Not necessarily. But I was like... All signs point yeah, that this guy enough, will play yeah, will play pro chance, hockey right? for yeah, I mean, for a long time, and then all of a sudden it's like, I I'm I'm retired. Uh, yeah, I think that's where athletes kind of get a little bit of a short end of the stick, right? It's you know you're living out other people's dreams, so people can't understand when you don't want it, you know, when it, you can't have it. And I just couldn't have it. I, I want. I, trust me, I sit back every night and I'm watching NHL games, and I'm, you know, some nights I'll catch myself wondering what if, but. I couldn't do it. I just physically, like, I would have loved to fulfill my childhood dream and play in the NHL, but unfortunately my brain just wasn't set up to bring me there. So, And I think, like, I think it's a world of a difference these last 10 years in terms of hockey culture and how accepting people within the bubble of hockey are to, you know, even just you talking about having issues with anxiety or issues with just not being able to grasp what's going on inside your head. I think 10 years ago, like you experienced, would have been very difficult to to kind of come forward and, and go to a coach or go to a GM and say, hey, I'm not okay. You know, it's still hard, but I think, yeah, you know, well, there's there's been a lot of steps forward. There is. You know what the thing is? There's a lot of steps at the younger levels now because that's where I think it really starts. And then by the time you get to the end, you're, you're not going to bring it up to an NHL team. At 19, I wasn't going to walk into Scott Housen's office and say, hey, Scott, like, I think that I'm really in trouble mentally. Not you, th- that you think even now, like, let's say... I don't think anyone universe. would do that no? now. Well, I mean, you know, I can't really speak to it, but I still have a hard time... You think seeing... there's still a barrier there? 
I of guess. course. I mean, it's hard to walk in anywhere and look someone in the eye and admit that you're not as strong of a candidate as they thought you were. Right. Right? So it's you're kind of – you have to get past that thought where it's like, is this going to set me back in my career? But really what it is, setting you back in life. You know, like we were talking about before, you play hockey until you're 35 if you're lucky or if you're freakish like Thornton or Yager or Marlowe. But, you know, there's still – even if you're 40, there's still that's half your life if you live to 80. So you got to be able to make sure that you're happy for the whole 80, and not just you know kind of gutting it out for the first 25, 30 years of your life, and then hoping you'll find happiness later because you can't. It's impossible. Well, and let's face it. At, at certain points, you know, just to sort of cover more base of your career, 19, you retire, but you come back maybe four or five months later and say, hey, I want to give this another go. But then from there, you know, you, you have a good season, you get injured. You have a good season, you run into a wall of, you know, maybe you've had too many pills and you're just not, like, mentally there or physically there or you're out of shape. Like, you're running into all these obstacles. Yeah, I mean, And I'm assuming at one point you went, you know what, I want to move on with my life because this is just not all coming together. Well, yeah, it's, it's a lot of that. It's, you know, my first, my second pro game in the American League, I break my hand. And then I'm out for another six to eight weeks, you know, so... It kind of felt to me like it all, but the way I looked at it back then, it was just another excuse to kind of slip further, further off the path that I needed to be on. You know, I wasn't handling my defeats well. So anytime something came up, I was like, oh God, everybody, everyone's against me. Like this can't be my fault. You know, and then I would just slip deeper and deeper into my own like mental web, so to speak. And it was just kind of a vicious cycle. Everything would go wrong, something would go wrong. And then I would, you know, make an excuse as to why it went wrong, why it wasn't my fault, and just continue to do the same things I was doing that made the mistake happen in the first place. And then, you know, first chance, not a big deal. Second chance, a little bit more of a big deal. And then eventually you just run out of chances, right? And that's kind of what happened to me. I ran out of chances in the leagues that I felt I deserved to be playing in. Um, And then once I was out of the leagues I felt I deserved to be playing in, my career was over because... If you go into work thinking that you're better than where you are, you're not going to be successful, and that's kind of where I got myself towards the end. So. Yeah, you finished off in the ECHL. Were you was that a place you just didn't want to be at that point? Uh, well, I, I had talked. This is 2015-16, yeah. so not even that long ago. No, it was uh, two seasons or three seasons ago. It would have been, but you know, I went there to try and revive whatever I had left, see if maybe I could have a good season and get out of the coast and back somewhere um, I don't want to say relevant because I think the coast is a it's a good league it's filled with great hockey players but for me I wanted to get back somewhere I felt I deserved to be and shortly after being there I realized that you know the dream is over and it was kind of just you know after maybe 15 20 games it was a, a rapid decline in just my mental state of wanting to play hockey you know I couldn't even I didn't even want to wake up on game days because I just I couldn't bring myself to get in that mindset again where I'm constantly thinking about failure because that's all I did. If I didn't score, I failed. If I didn't, you know, have 60, 70 points at the end of the year, I failed. And if you look at my stats, I pretty much failed every year in my pro career. So it was pretty tough at the end to, to keep trying to gut it out and make something happen when I knew I was done. So... 
decided to retire and I think it was the best choice for me you know I kind of instantly noticed that I was just happier every day I was feeling good about myself again I was kind of at peace I was no longer chasing the NHL because I wasn't involved in it anymore and then I was lucky to uh, get an opportunity here with James Richmond gave me a chance to become the video coach and it's been great you know I'm finding finding out why I fell in love with the game in the first place again not to be too cheesy or anything. Whoa, you must have though along the way. I'll just go through your hockey DB right now. So you spend uh, three seasons with the Mississauga Ice Dogs, Beautiful. and then it goes to Niagara. Um, so basically, you're you do your your full four years in the OHL, um, and then you move on to the Syracuse Crunch of uh, of the AHL, Columbus's team there. But that was tainted the whole time, right? Because those coaches I had previously left the year before in the playoffs. Because of some stuff. I was supposed to go to world championships. Columbus wouldn't let me go. They wanted me to play in the playoffs. I played two shifts and two games combined. Won a game. And then, you know, I just, that's kind of when it all started really unraveling because I started upsetting the organization and I was becoming a little bit of a, a problem for them off ice. I, I became a big problem for them off ice, but I, that was kind of the start of when I started ruffling a few feathers in the organization, I think. So going back to Syracuse was tough. Same coaching staff. Trent Culp pounded the shit out of me for like <laughs> six weeks when I had my hand broken. So I just didn't really feel welcome there. Not that I should have, but, you know, it was a real lot older team. And I just, you know, I could tell right from going in there that I was just a, a black sheep. That's how, I mean, it, it's hard to sort of feel sorry for guys that get drafted to the NHL. But Yeah, poor but, me, right? No, but but I just to finish my thought, but sometimes, you know, you get drafted to an organization, and the organization may not be bad, but they just may not. Maybe it's the not first, fit. Yeah, maybe the first impression isn't good, or maybe, yeah. you know, you run into one problem, all of a sudden you're, like you said, a black sheep, and then you're stuck because of the way that the – the CBA works out. Mm -hmm. You can't just leave the team and no, join you, you some know, other kind of club. Five years, you're a restricted free agent, so you're at the mercy of whoever owns you for those years. And, uh, yeah, there wasn't many options. I, I tried to come back and play in the OHL as an overager, and, and Mississauga or Niagara didn't want me back, but they wouldn't trade me anywhere. So it was kind of just, you know, and there's another little instance where it was kind of a down step for me and you know then I'm hearing I, I'm not going to play in the American League this year the NHL but now I can't even go back and play in the OHL where I've had such success and I was you know happy playing before so it was just kind of a a bad a bad time all around for Stefan Legion and then you know you do let's just talk about when you actually decided to first retire at 19 just because I don't want to dwell on it but just like were you hearing people just crushing you and not knowing anything about your story just assuming wow he's you know entitled he thinks that he can just quit hockey like wow I can't believe that he would give up such, such an opportunity and then you, you you know you're looking at your phone or reading something and you're like you have, you know nothing about me is that sort of your, your reaction yeah I mean it was and like at 19 I probably wasn't in a good mind frame to handle that because most kids at 19 can't hear all these negative things about them constantly but you know i'd be walking on the street and people would yell at me out their windows you know like, really that oh bad? yeah like i'd be in because i stayed in st Catharines the year that i retired uh at my friend's place so i'd be in chili pepper and i'd have guys coming up to me you know or a drug addict this like all that you know and then 
I found myself having to defend myself in public a lot. And then it was, you know, it was just a nasty situation. People were talking about my parents, how they were crazy forcing me to play and I didn't want it. If you ever met my parents, they don't really care about too much that we do as long as we want to do it. You know? Right. So it was tough, but I mean, it's the media. It's what's what's going to sell. Like, what kind of angle can we put on certain things? And I think a lot of it was nobody knew. So it kind of opens the door for speculation, right. right? It's, oh, I heard this one thing a year ago. Maybe that's why this is happening. Or, you know, I knew this guy when he was doing this, so that's why it happened, you know. So a lot of people were just kind of taking one little fragment of my story or what was going on in my life and then just kind of honing in on that little detail and running with that but not kind of showing the big picture as to why I'm doing this, not just because, you know, I want to party all the time and, I, I you know, I, I can't be away from the parties. Like, you know, there's tons of guys who play in the NHL who are – addicted to partying too um but they still do it so it wasn't really that it was just all my brain it was my mind i couldn't get out of my own head i was just kind of trapped in my own way i guess things could have really if you do you ever think about when you were 19 and you decide to make a bold decision like retiring do you think like that period those few months in between when you actually came back where it could have really spiraled because I think of, it's not obviously a perfect comparison, but Terry Trafford, who took his own life uh, a couple years ago, uh, again, not trying to compare it, but, you know, similar ages and, and just being at a crossroads of not really knowing what to do with their lives because it's it was so consumed with hockey. Hockey's not going perfectly well. Mm-hmm. Now what do I do? Rest in peace, Terry Trafford. Yeah, absolutely. But, but you know what I mean? Where if you hadn't got back on the horse and – not necessarily even hockey, but just sort of faced life, you know, with, 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 with sort of open arms again? Yeah, honestly, I think that's what it was. I, I didn't really embrace hockey back. I just kind of embraced myself again. I, you know, growing up, I loved having fun. I was chatty and social and everything. And then, you know, I found myself playing professional, and I would spend you know, whole days in my bedroom just sitting there by myself watching TV. So I really wasn't even the person that I was anymore. So... Really, for me, it was just about getting back to the, the guy that I wanted to be. I didn't really, I mean, once I started realizing this, realizing this stuff, I didn't really care as much about the hockey side because, for me, it was NHL or bust, and I had already busted. So it was more about just, like I said, trying to find what makes me happy. Like, what can I do that when I come home from the rink from playing hockey, I'm not completely miserable and I'm tolerable to stand, and my wife wants to call me on the phone because I'm not in a bad mood, and, you know, all that little stuff. So that was the main focus for me, was just getting back to being a human being, really, not just a hockey player. Yeah, I wonder if, like, would your advice to someone who's, let's say, 17, 18, 19, you know, you're going through a lot in general in life at that age, whether it's relationships, social, hormones, whatever, Yeah. but then you throw on certain pressures associated with trying to make it to the NHL, what would you say to someone who's in your situation nowadays? I mean, it's tough. Like, I don't, you know, you try to think of what you would say to these kids to get them to see it. But I, the problem is it's hard for people to even comprehend because they don't want to admit that something's wrong. They're not like you, you know. Even if they are exactly, nobody wants to be like I ended up, let's just say. 
So it's tough. I mean, the first thing I would tell them is just say it to someone. Get it out there. Because I found writing... Don't, don't internalize is what yeah, you Yeah, no, yeah. I found when I wrote those hockey news articles, I, I wrote them on a bus in the coast driving back from some dump <laughs> of the city because yeah. they don't play in the greatest cities or rinks in that league. But yeah. uh, I finished writing it, and I just was kind of sitting there, and I had tingles going through my body, and I, I felt really, really good for the first time in a while at this point. And I think a lot of it was just kind of saying it out loud. You know, it's it's a lot scarier in your head, but when you say it out loud and kind of put it into perspective what else is going on in the hockey world or in the real world, because the real world is a lot scarier <laughs> than the NHL, that's for sure. Um, yeah, you got to open up. You got to tell someone. You can't do it on your own. You know, there's no one... There's no one equipped to deal with this kind of stuff, I don't think, on their own, especially at these young ages. Oh, yeah. We're kids. We don't know what's going on. We haven't experienced anything of the real world. We're living at parents or billets. They're buying us groceries. They're making us dinner. They're, you know, putting a little extra money in your pocket whenever you need it. So you've got to open up. You've got to talk to these people. You've got to tell them that you're, you've got issues. Because the longer you wait, the worse it's going to be. The harder it's going to be to, to get help. It's like anything, you know. It's if you smoke for a year, it's probably easier to quit than if you smoke for thirty, right? So absolutely, you know, it's kind of the same type of thing. I think so. It's a snowball effect, and I think the more that people talk about it, you know, Bell Let's Talk is fantastic. Hockey talks, you know, the hashtags like Sick Not Week, like as many people as we've lost, you know that have led to these sort of campaigns like hopefully there's one day where we don't even need these campaigns and it's just like you walk down the street and everyone can feel comfortable you know in their own skin and if sometimes when they're in their own skin they don't feel good they if they're not well then they can they find some the, sort of outlet yeah, i mean it's well i heard uh, i was watching hockey day in canada and there was uh, a guy from bc i can't remember his name but he had started a, a excuse me a website for younger hockey players to come on and kind of go back and forth. I think it was just him at the time, but he was emailing kids back and forth just like, let's, if you need someone, let's talk. So it's great. It's great to see people are are getting involved and, you know, this kid's only a junior player, so he's already at the junior level made the realization that I'm struggling. It helped me to talk. I need to offer people the same type of avenue that I had and it's, I mean, he got thanks from the Prime Minister and TSN or CBC Hockey Day in Canada, so I think it's good. It's it's great. I think it's great that people get rewarded, though. You know, it's you get rewarded for scoring fifty goals, but you don't get rewarded the same way for saving fifty lives. You know, it's, it's a good way to put it. It's kind of crazy, and I, I think maybe the NHL should think about getting a little bit more involved in the youth level and you know, kind of celebrating the players who do this stuff. So it's it's not as big of a deal for the younger kids. You know, I, I'm coming out. Because I'm depressed, just like my hero, John Smith and from yep. the NHL. You yep. know, we both are going through the same thing. And look where he's gone with this issue. I can do anything. It's not going to hold me back. You know. Well, and I guess at the root of of the issue in terms of awareness is a lot of people can mask it. Like you could walk around. You could be, let's just say, a CEO of a company, or you could be one of the best players in the yeah. sport of hockey in the entire world. And when you go home, you could just hate living you could maybe hockey is the only thing that like you know yeah. makes you 
feel alive, so to speak. Yeah, like, I mean, that, we, that, that's, I think, the one Paul thing Ranger. that... I think he's just coming out with this thing exactly. on TSN that I'm extremely excited to watch. I shouldn't say excited. It's, I know what you mean. It's not an exciting topic, but I'm, I'm very curious as to, as to what was really going on with him. Um, you know, it's the same type of thing. He just, he was playing hockey, but he was horribly unhappy. He couldn't do it, you know? So that's the thing. It's People forget that this is just a sport. Like, if, if you're not happy doing it, you should be able to walk away whenever you want. It's fun, right? But it gets lost in that business, and, you know, you're making seven million bucks, eight million bucks. This is your life, but your real life is what's going on in your head because all that other stuff is fake, you know? Yeah, and I found there's a few quotes that I took from your Hockey News articles, which people can Google if it's Stefan Legion Hockey News, it'll come up, um, and just various other things. Um, one of them that stuck out was if you want to know who your true friends are, retire at 19. Like, did you, did you during that whole saga, let's call it, were people just dropping like flies, like, wow, I don't want to be associated with this guy? Or, you know or, what, it wasn't that they were dropping. Like, I, It wasn't like I had a big, massive entourage yeah. around me. But, you know, you, I could just tell who my real friends were in that instance. You know, they weren't, why are you doing this? It was, are you okay? You know, it wasn't about, oh, I'm about to lose my, my friend who's on a path to the NHL and this will be great for me. It was just, you know. Are you okay? What can I do for as you? As a person, I how, how can I help yeah. you? You know, I, I Dan Arcaro, one of my best friends. I lived on his, on his. Actually, I bought a hammock and was living in his living room <laughs> on a hammock on Jacobson. Uh, I know where that is. Yeah, in yeah, St. Catharines, right yeah. behind the Penn Center. But uh, you know, not no questions asked. Yep, you can live with me. Whatever you need, you want to stay up all night talking. I'm up. You know, so it was nice. It was great. And those guys are still, you know my closest closest friends that I'm I'm with to this day so yeah it's crazy I I I don't want to screw up the names but I feel like it was uh I think it was Kevin Bieksa that was talking about Rick Rippon living with him and his family I'm gonna feel really bad if I'm getting the names screwed up but anyways the point is the story the The point is the story that yeah I believe it was Rick Rippon was living with Kevin Bieksa and you know the BX and his wife would just say, hey, we don't care if it's 3 in the morning. If if you're not feeling well or you're yeah. having thoughts that you you don't think are going the right way, wake us up, let's talk. And, you know, why don't we, in the morning, we'll go hang out with the kids because apparently Rick, Rick Rippin loved being around kids. Like, just sort of like being there. Yeah. I mean, e- even if you don't need the shoulder that often, but no, it's, lending it's that nice shoulder. No, it's nice to know that it's, you know, even if you never use it, it's nice to know. You know, if I do need you, I'll call you, you know, and then there may be that opportunity where I'm just or whoever is just, you know, at their end of the rope. They can't do it anymore. And then they remember, oh, I'll give this guy a call. You know, and it's it's nice in that sense, because, you know, I'm sure that they were going through a lot of similar things, uh, playing on the same team, both playing in the NHL. So good on Kevin Bieksa. Yeah. I could say that I didn't really like him before, but <laughs> here, here, you know. You, but that's the stuff that you don't hear about guys. Yeah, and I think that's the stuff that you should hear about guys more often. Yeah, I know BX know. has been very vocal about his yeah, support no, for it's, it's great mental and health. He should be. Everyone should be. Yeah, you know, just because you don't go through it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be on board with making it better. Because you know, it's it's like cancer. It's affected everyone. You know, everyone's got a brother, a sister, a mom, an aunt, an uncle, a best friend. Uh, 
a significant other who deals with this kind of stuff. And I think that's been, you know, another thing for me is just hearing how many people since I've kind of come out with this saying, like, you know, I feel the same way as you. Were you, were you shocked? Like, yeah, I, don't, but, I don't know if you had, like, an email that people could email or, or they were texts or whatever. You know, I didn't really have anything. Like, when do you mean? Well, okay, so you come out with three Hockey News articles that are pretty, yeah. pretty you know, detailed. Um, yeah, they were intense. Pretty detailed pretty heavy uh, to write. diaries, let's call them, of, of what you went through over, you know, five, six years, seven years. And, you know, there were times where you were like, you you didn't want to live. Like, very pri- private things that you were making public, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, hammering home that, I'm not just saying this to say it, I'm saying it because I know there's other people yeah, like that are dealing with this whether they're in hockey or not so i would imagine you got some response from those uh yeah i got quite a bit and you know great stuff like everybody liked it everybody was happy a lot of uh a lot of people saying they were proud you know i didn't feel that proud writing it but sorry my i got an eyelash in my eye that's driving <laughs> nuts <laughs> but uh you know people say they, it's, just, it's just such a strong thing i didn't really realize it at the time but you know now looking back it was it was good. It was good for me. It was good for other people to hear. Uh, it was nice that I finally got to tell my own story a little bit. Um, you know, now that I was out of hockey, I could, I could kind of let it all out, in a sense. So that felt great. You and you've brought up painkillers too. As you know, obviously, when you're hurt, you take painkillers. It's it's a pretty standard thing. But do you think that? Through your experience, you would tell someone, say, an athlete that, you know, watch watch what you're doing I with I tell those. everybody always now. Yeah. You know, even non-athletes, anyone who, you know, talks and says, oh, I'm, you know, oh, I broke my arm, I'm on this, or, you know, went to the doctor and they gave me these anxiety pills or whatever. I just say, you know, careful because, mm-hmm. you know. That's, your body gets used to the intake. That's yeah. just, that's, it's a feeling that's hard to. Once you're used to it, it's hard to let go of. You know, it's it just grabs you, and it holds you, and you can't you can't get out of it because you're already in a weak mental state. You take the pills, they put you in a weaker mental state, and then once you're off them, you're just you're even worse. So that's the problem: is you don't even really want the pills anymore, but you need them just to feel better, just to feel almost normal because. Now the way you feel normally that you've started taking these isn't even close to what you used to feel because now your mind and all your chemicals and everything is just all out of whack. So you're really screwed, you know. So I tell everyone, be careful. That stuff, it's not to play with. Yeah, especially if you mix it with alcohol. If you're, you know, yeah, if you're you overdoing know, it with the pills and you mix in the that alcohol. Was, I, you know, I'm not going to. But that was one thing I never really, uh, I never really did was, well, good. was mix the two. Um, just because, you know. You just knew. It was bad news. I mean, I knew. I mean, in my head I wanted to die, but I didn't really want to die. So I was kind of I was kind of fighting with myself. I'm like, you know, do you want to live? Do you want to die? Do you want like how do you want to be like this? What you know, because at one point I had to I had to come to the realization that this is how you are now. So how do you want to live your life this way? You know, so I was kind of going back and forth like, okay, do you want to keep going on? Do you want to Switch? Do you want to just completely end it all? And because you know, there's times you tried, didn't work. Thank God. But uh, what do you mean? I don't want to dwell on it. But well, you I mean like I was depressed, you know, in a bad place. Things were going wrong, so I just, you know, the easiest way is to just give up everything, you know. 
and that those were tough thoughts to fight back all the time, you know. And I'd kind of alienated myself on my team, so it was. A this of, is what what uh, level of hockey. This is while I was playing pro. Okay. Well, like the because the thing with junior is you're around everybody all yeah, the time. Yeah. Billets right? and, and it's but it's not like you're boys. You know, in pro you got twenty year old rookie, you got a thirty six year old who's got three kids and a wife who yeah. has a full time job, and you know it's you're a hockey player, but you're living a normal life. And then there's twenty year olds who just want to go out. There's in between guys so it's all a whole bunch of different it's not like junior where everybody comes in and you all just want to hang out every you know tuesday night the guys always go to the movies here the whole team right but it wasn't really like that in pro so a lot of time i would just spend it by myself and i think that's the worst thing to do you're sort of self-medicating and not you know not going outside of your well, yeah, yourself, I mean, like you were, you weren't taking pos- a step back and going, yeah, "This I was is this in is a not helping." Position where I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone, and so how can I help? I was just, I was right. I was just trying to help myself without having to admit to anyone that I needed help. So it was like a secret, you know, a little secret medical experiment that I was running on myself to try and fix me. But then, you know, you can't do that. I wasn't doing anything properly. I wasn't. You know, I wasn't dosing. I wasn't using the right medications for what I needed. I was just, I was just kind of freestyling, going with the flow. Whatever I had to do to get through that day was what I had to do to get through that day because I couldn't just function normally. And it must have been the typical, you know, you see it in like cartoons, like the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other. Like, that, I'm assuming that's what you meant when you said, like, I felt like. You know, I wanted to die, but I also felt like I needed yeah, to live. I mean, like, was, you're sort of in the middle of that. Yeah, I was, it's, it's a good analogy. I was, you know, I was just stuck. I was stuck. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know. I just kind of kept playing hockey because I didn't know what else to do, you know. And this was my only, you know, I didn't go to high school. I did, but I didn't. At the same time, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't you weren't there. You weren't. Yeah, I, went, yeah. I wasn't, you know, I horrible grades i was just focused on hockey i was focused on one thing being a hockey player that comes back to the trafford thing a little bit where you know and no one got inside his head so we don't know for sure but it sounds like from accounts from you know family and girlfriend that what it came down to is that he wanted to be a pro hockey player he wanted to play in the nhl he wanted it so bad that he didn't have anything he didn't have a backup plan yeah at all not even like sort of like a plan b that's sort of just in the distance it's like no it was just hockey and if hockey doesn't work I don't know what I'm going to do. And and that sounds yeah, somewhat I mean, like you. But it's similar to every, something that it everyone is. goes it is. through, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to be a, a psych major in university, come out of school, can't find a job in my psych field. Well, now what? Now I'm screwed because I've just wasted four or five years putting all my eggs in this basket. And I can't get a job, or I don't want a job in this field anymore. It's not. Yeah, a lot of people will finish, and they're like, "I don't like this anymore." It's not what I expected the jobs would be like, you know. So, it's a lot like everyone's going through. It's just, it's life. (laughs) So that's what I think people need to realize: is it's these are all things that are involved in life. It's sometimes it's not. Why is this happening to me? This is happening to everyone. Yeah. This is just the reality. This is twenty four seven, three six five. You know. So then, what what got you out of out of you know dark places and the rock bottoms? Was it family and you're like I you know I can't I can't leave this world because I love them so much? Or was it like was did hockey in a weird way help because you know you were burning off you know your steam and and just sort of like 
I guess, medicating yourself through exercise? Like, are there anything that you point to? Yeah, I mean, like, my family was huge. Like, they've been great, so supportive and everything. You know, I could I could tell them right, call them right now and say, I, I'm down in Mississauga. I don't want to be there anymore. And they would be, okay, what's next? Like, where can we go? What's our next steps? Help me along the way. So it was them, but a lot of it was for me. I think I had started towards the end, I was – I was so far away from the NHL that a lot of the stuff that I was so worried about just kind of f- fell by the wayside. It went away because it wasn't it wasn't relevant to me anymore. You know, like the pressure was. I off. don't. I don't. What's the pressure on me tonight? You know, I'm not. It's my eighth year in the American League. I'm playing for the Marlies. I'm a healthy scratch every Sunday because guys come back. I'm playing on Saturdays. Did it help going to Europe? Because you did go to Europe oh, for I hated going for to two Europe. seasons. I no, you didn't hated like it. Hated Europe. Why? So, oh, I don't know. It was just, it was so different. Language or? You know, the language wasn't that bad. I was in Sweden first. Everyone spoke English. Okay. Uh, dark. It was dark there very early, so I found myself sitting around a lot. Yeah. It was just boredom, you know. I And I, I knew I couldn't go and do the stuff that, you know, I, I can't just go to the bar and have a couple drinks and then, because it's just a cycle. It, it would. I'd find myself back in the same situation. Yeah. I wasn't. You knew happy. You're, you're I wasn't boundaries. happy over there, yeah. so I'm not going to go over and try to make myself happy by going out and trying to have fun, which sounds horrible. But I really just sat in my room. I moved my TV into my bedroom. I would eat dinner in bed. But I mean, that's towards the end of your career, so yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, you obviously had built up some sort of like mental. Um, maybe maybe what I just said boundaries, like sort of like you knew. Bar bad, I'm not even going to touch it. Oh, yeah, it. Like, but not even for hockey, just for Life, personal, yeah. right? Like, even still, I, you know, I'll drink maybe once a month, if that. Just not into it anymore. It's I'm done making bad choices, you know? Yeah. And the reality is all that extracurricular stuff, it just leads to poor, poor choices. And, yeah, I, I know my limits. My, uh, Ontario Lottery. Know <laughs> no, your limits and play within them. Right? Uh, Did you get that tattooed on yeah, your arm? Yeah, on my face. I need it. <laughs> I sh- wish I had it tattooed on my face when I was younger. But uh, So, like, this is, like I said off the top, like, it's a happy ending. You are sitting here right now. I'm super happy. You're you're married. I believe you, I your kid, wife yeah. may be having her baby, I'm having your baby this, right now. I'm having an issue. <laughs> she could be in birth. If so, I'll be home soon. Uh, no, yeah, it's awesome. Like, it's great. Uh, you know, I'm I'm about to become a father, and I feel like I know so much about the real world now. And you know, I was talking to someone; they were saying, you know, Connor McDavid writes a book. Mm-hmm. What are you going to learn from Connor McDavid in his book? I was the best when I was seven. Then I was still the best at nine. I was the best at fourteen. Now I'm the best at twenty. You That's know, a good point. What does he have to offer the regular person? Because he's got nothing regular. You know, same with Tavares, Crosby, like yep. a lot of these high-end athletes. But there's a lot of guys that maybe haven't been in your shoes, you know, to the extent of well, I, I, how far you fell down. But like in your in your, I un- can think of a guy who was. Okay. It sounds like he was down even lower than I was. Scott Darling. Yeah. You know, he was playing. I think he played SPHL every pro league across America, right? And now he's got two Stanley Cups, whole bunch of money in the bank. He's happy. He's sober. I think. Um, so, you know, that's, yeah, that's pretty much, it's almost like a movie with him. Yeah. It, his story is, you know, just the fact that he was able to climb and climb and keep climbing, uh, I think is incredible. 
you know, good for him. Have you met Scott? I've never met him, no. no. He's a big guy, though. I think he's like 6'6". Six, six, he's right? quite big. Yeah. A lot of tattoos. Yeah. I like the tattoo. I got quite a few <laughs> tattoos myself. But, uh, no, it's it's awesome. You know, but I think the nice, uh, the not the nice thing is for him was when he was having all of his issues, he wasn't as much of a prospect. You know what I mean? So he was in the SPHL maybe being a disaster, but he was so far away from where he wanted to get that no one could see what was going on. But for me, I felt like it was right in the face of all 30 teams at the time. How, how much of, you know, it's been a theme throughout our conversation, like how much of expectation and pressure was yourself, like, or was it other people? Like, do you think you were put? Do you think when you look back, you were putting it all on yourself, or do you think like it was real pressure where people were breathing down your neck? Or, oh, I mean, it wasn't like people were breathing down my neck, but it's pressure from other people too, right? Because you know they're like, "Oh, you're so good! Like you're going to be in the NHL," and you want to be like, "Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly who I am." But then you're like, "Well, what if I'm not that guy?" Am I a phony to all these people who think that I'm so great? Maybe you're not. And it's it's tough to swallow when, you know, you're not what other people think you are when they think of you so highly. So, I don't know. But you're now you're back in in Mississauga, Mississauga where, where your junior started, career yeah, I, I, began. Honestly, could have signed my first contract in the office that we're sitting in. Really? I don't remember, but maybe. This would have been Forge, That's crazy. This would have been Forge's office. They would have so, sent a fax. Yeah, maybe this was where I signed my first deal, but this is definitely the rink that I yeah. I signed it in. Uh, this is where it started. I love this city. I love this rink. I love the fans. I'm not, I I I don't know how you you and James Richmond the GM of the Steelheads connected and how that process went, but did were there questions about like, "Hey, where are you at right now?" That sort of like um, there wasn't really questions. I so I got, I kind of met Jr. last year, and the year before, because I would just hang around here. Um, I think the year before I went to Germany, I was skating here from training camp until December. You know, myself and Carlo Koliakovo had stalls in the dressing room. You know, so we got to know everyone pretty well around here and got to meet him. And then last year, same thing. I was retired, so I found myself stopping by a little more. Uh, you know, just connected with JR. He was with LA doing power skating yep. when I was there as well. We'd never met because I wasn't as much of a prospect <laughs> at that time. But, uh, you know, and then I talked to him in the summer this year and I said, do you want, do you have anyone doing skill stuff, like coming in and working on things? And he just kind of said, like, how committed are you to this? What do you want from it? Do you want a full-time thing? And I said, yeah, that's the goal. Like I was, you know, my original thought was, you know, get in a little bit and then slowly work your way up. But I was fortunate that he gave me the opportunity to come and, you know, work with the guys, go on the ice, be in the press box, learning how to do the video. So it's been great. I owe him a, a real, I don't know the word, but I owe him a ton for sure. <laughs> and you, lo- you love hockey again. Like you're fully, yes, this I, is all honestly, very fun for you. I never have to play. You know, I never have to wake up on a game day. And go out there myself. I know there's still pressures with coaching. Of course. But, you know, the pressures in coaching are a lot different. A lot of it's done on non-game days. Yeah, right? that's the that's One the on one. It's, well, it's one on one. It's, you know, the coaches working Monday to Thursday in this league getting ready for Friday night. And once Friday night is there, you hope you're prepared. Because once it's started, there's not much you can do to change it, right? So it's a different kind of pressure. 
but it's one that I I can definitely handle a little bit more than having to go out by myself and try to try to make it happen. You know, now if you're a coach, you got all 20 guys on the bench in front of you out there putting it on the line, trying to help you get the win. So, and you're you're also doing some skills work. Yeah, uh, I bought part of a rink in Oakville with a good friend of mine, Ron Mays. He runs a goalie school. Uh, you know, it was. It was always something I was good at in the game. I liked it. I, you know, every time I got to go out more later in my career when skills stuff started becoming a lot more prevalent in the last couple of years, I got to go out and do some really fun stuff and work with, you know, good good hockey trainers, Joe Quinn and Power Edge Pro, and just kind of see some of the stuff that they were doing. Yeah, I've had them on this podcast, like a lot of small area work. Yeah, so the, the That's rink, what you're focusing on as yeah, well. Yeah, well, the rink that we... Uh, own Ron and myself is a mini rink. It's, I think it's one, one twenty by fifty. So um, a know, little more than half. Yeah, it's you know a it's a confined size, space yeah. is the word I like to use. Right, like confined space training because it's tough to go out on a big sheet. Maybe not for the pros, but you know you bring four or five eight year olds out on a big sheet of ice. There's no real game simulation in that because no. the whole game is played with no time, no space at a high rate of speed with people all around you. So I love the small rink. I think it's a great way to train, to get guys, you know, thinking quickly with their hands and feet, get them used to that uncomfortable, no space feeling. So it's been fun. I love working with the kids. I love working with some pro guys as well. I work with, you know, I had a couple adults come out who played men's league. But cool. It's great. You know, it's the one adult that I had is was amazing you know it was he came out and he wanted to get better just so he could have more fun playing men's league you know and that's really what the game is about you know it's not about the guy making 12 million dollars in edmonton yeah the 0.001 percent of the world it's about the guys who are out there playing men's league every you know some guys every night of the week you know their wife and kids hate them because they're at (laughs) canlan ice sports in oakville drinking beers at the thirsty penguin until midnight but they just love to play you know and it's that's what the game is about. That's who it's for. You know, it's it's a job to us, but it, we play it for them. You know, we play for ourselves, but we play for the people who can't really, you know. Just looking at your uh, at your hockey DB, would you say your your highest moment or your your greatest moment as a hockey player was winning that gold medal in two thousand eight with the World Junior Team? Yeah. Was that like? Were you on the top of the world? Yeah, I mean, I was, obviously, but it was kind of tainted for me because I was injured. Yeah. I didn't get to play the gold medal game, you know, but it was awesome. I saw, just doing research for this, like, I was just sort of going through a couple of YouTube clips, and there was some sort of TSN, uh, like, feature, and it was basically about you being the prankster, and even though you weren't playing, you were, you know, an important part of the team, and and. I, like a lot of people know your name because of that World Junior season, and because you were the energy guy, and you were like you were very much engaged in every shift, every second. Like, I think that's that's a pretty cool thing to to have in your back pocket for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. I still I got my jersey hanging on the wall at home. I got the ring. You know, I still look at it sometimes and just think back. Every I mean, especially around Christmas time, you know. It's different. Some of the guys on that team. This is just you know another footnote on their career, but. You don't really think about the guys like myself that this is the career. You know, this was something so major for me. Um, it was It was special. Awesome. Yeah, you guys had uh, Marshan, Tavares, Suban, Stamkos. Mason, Doughty. Stamkos was on it. Yeah. 
those are the big names. But there there is Wayne Simmons, Drew, Doughty, Dernier, yeah, Doughty, uh, Luke Shen, Carl Alsner, Halschuk, Matthias. See, like Halschuk is sort of like another guy who. This happens every year. Like, there's there's a handful of guys who that's sort of their their peak. Yeah, and I, you don't know it at the time, but yeah, you know, I think eventually Hallie had a better. I'm going to give Halschuk a little more credit <laughs> than uh, than just the World Juniors because he had, I think his career kind of dwindled off like 25, 26. But I want to say his is more injury. He got he was there, you know. I was never there, <laughs> <laughs> so no. I mean, it's great. It's awesome. Like, it's such a good tournament. It's. You know, it's the biggest thing that I could think of as a hockey player growing up. You know, the Olympics was cool, I guess. Never been a fan of Olympic hockey that much uh, for no reason. I don't know why, but it just wasn't important to me, the Olympics, because it didn't seem like a hockey thing. Well, there's just something about the World Juniors, too, where... It's all hockey. It's all Canada. It's like the most Canadian thing you can imagine when it comes to hockey, you know. And it was just, it was Christmas. It was watching it with my grandparents and while we were opening presents or, you know, just seeing guys play in it that became such great players. And then even seeing guys that you had no idea that they were even on the team and now they're really good. But it was just watching the hockey, you know, being being Canadian with a group of guys for two weeks in December and January. It was, it was incredible. All right, Steph. I think we've uh, run the gauntlet of, of your life as a hockey player and now as, as a video coach. I guess my last question would be, do you know, you know, where you want this video coach role to lead to? Like, are you thinking f- into the future where you want yeah, to be a head coach? Or thinking, uh, was it a Jack Adams Award? Okay, yeah, maybe yeah. a couple seasons. <laughs> yeah, maybe next year I can uh, <laughs> get on the bench as a head coach in the NHL. Oh, a- I mean, that, yeah. that would be a dream scenario. But really, I, I'm just happy to keep growing, learning. Who knows? Like, maybe I'll never end up being a coach, but I'll find something else in hockey. You know, working with Hockey Canada or working with the NHL or the NHLPA or who knows where it could lead. So I'm just excited to be involved in it. You know, there's a lot of good things going on in the game right now. Uh, we're going through a big change, I think, that a lot of people aren't realizing. It's What's you know, that? Well, like just the, the game of hockey, you know. it's you got a guy in the Leafs who's got four penalty minutes. Yep. You know. So are, are, As a guy who obviously threw his weight around, even though you were, what, 5'10", something, like, do you like seeing that it's more skill, less – Less oh, grit? I, no. Than I ever liked before. it when I was a player. <laughs> that would have been a lot easier than going up against some of these new age 5'11 defensemen as yeah. opposed to the old 6'6", 240 in the corners. But, uh, no, it's good. I like the skill. It's exciting for the fans. You know, I, I can't remember a time where there's been this many young superstars up and coming. First year rookie, MVP of the NHL All-Star game. Yep. You know, I don't know if he deserved it, but... <laughs> Did you you watch? I watched. Uh, yeah. You know, I was having dinner with my in laws, but we watched. You know, I thought Kucherov should have got it just because of the, that first game. The uh, the breakaway goal was pretty sweet. I thought the first breakaway goal was even better. He just took that little wrist shot. Yeah, you know, and those other moves, they're good. They're for the they're cool for the fans, but I don't know. Too much room for error. I can't. I don't know. I can't get on board too much with the All Star Game. I really. I don't like. like I the, love it. It's for casual fans and everything. But just as I don't as, like the three on three. You know, I like just pick a team, pick two teams, let them go. I like what baseball's got too. Give them something to play for. Yeah. You know, hockey. They're playing for more money. 
What yeah, are I these think guys uh, ninety grand each or something. Brock yeah. Besser made five hundred seventy-five grand yesterday. with his bonuses. Yeah. yeah, you know, just let him go out there and play for some real. Like, well, I guess teams don't look. It's, it's not like baseball. You can't get hurt in baseball all star game. No, well, pretty you much. Can, but <laughs> you don't want uh, your small forward getting crushed by no. Zdeno Char in the all star game because they want home ice for the. Uh, I was going to say American League, the Eastern Conference. <laughs> I had baseball on the brain there. Uh, no, for the Eastern Conference, you know, but I don't know. The only time I've seen some physical hockey in in an all-star type uh, atmosphere was Chris Pronger on uh, Justin Bieber. I think it was some sort of celebrity game last yeah, year. Yeah, well, I, well, you should have hit him a little harder, <laughs> I think. You know, it's, you know, that's what it's all about now, right? It's not even about the game. It's just about getting the most famous people in the game together and figuring out how they see can, what happens seeing how they can make more money off them while they're there right but it's like any business i guess all right steph well you got you got to go do a skills clinic right i now, do so. i'm on the ice tonight <laughs> i got a little bit of time to kill but i'm on the ice tonight I'm supposed to be on 44 minutes ago but well yeah it, it snowed while uh while yeah. you're indoors at, at the rink here so i'll let you go thanks again for coming on no problem it was a blast